This is Parking in Bitterman Circle for October 6, 2005, episode number 30. Hey, it's Aaron. Welcome to Parking Center Circle. And uh, coming to you from Grand Rapids, Michigan. Eastern time zone today, kids. Today we have a day off from the Foozer Extravaganza. And um, though I say it's the 6th, it's uh, early on the 6th, uh, the 5th was the opening of the NHL season. National Hockey League comes back after a year break. For all of us hockey fans, this was uh, opening day. It was a very nice thing. Got a chance to see some of the Flyers game. Got to see some of the Stars and Kings games, some of the Red Wings game, and two periods of the Edmonton-Colorado game. Thank God for tour buses and their satellites because nobody, I mean nobody on local TV here at the old hotel had any hockey because it's baseball playoff time and I couldn't care less, but that's, that's America. America likes their baseball, but I'm close to Canada and, um... There was a lot, of, uh, a lot of guys wearing jerseys wandering out to the buses today and and getting ready and having a few cocktails and, and watching some puck. And that was a nice feeling. Um, you know, since the last time I did a podcast, number 29, the incontinence version, um, I think I did that in Mexico. I'm not sure. I hadn't talk to you yet about my trip to Brazil with the boys. We got through Mexico and all of its darling challenges. And um, we traveled to Curitiba, Brazil, for the Curitiba Rock Festival. And uh, we traveled on uh, Varig Airlines, which is uh, Portuguese for... Yeah, the seat's bigger, but the service isn't much better. I think I can probably come up with something more snide, but um, it was uh, it was quite a trip down there, and even from Mexico City, which is 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 a good ways down into Central America, it was still a good I don't know uh, nine or ten hour flight from there to get to Sao Paulo, and then uh, we hopped a flight to Curitiba, which is inland off the coast. And it, it was funny because I had thought that I'd never been there. And in talking to our new production assistant, who's originally from Sao Paulo, we realized that the two of us actually had done a tour in the late 90s when she was working as a stage translator. And 
we'd actually did the same tour. I think it was 1998. I had been there and played a club there. In fact, it may have been the same one. I'm not even sure. We couldn't recall. I think we all get somewhat um, confused. But um, I, I love Brazil. It it has a tremendous amount of challenges as far as um, as far as production and certain elements and and being told one thing and um, finding out another. In fact, I'm going to put some stuff on in the background. I think because um, you know it's a it's a Michael Butler does this. Why can't I just put some like mood music on while I'm rambling about? Let me see if I can find the uh, the appropriate thing to play in the background. I'll just put something on and, and see how it goes. Turn it down nice and low so I can sit here and mutter at you for a while longer. Um, in fact, I'll tell you a little bit later about this music. It was a great find for me. I'm quite pleased to have found it. Um, as it was sort of pointed out to me as a gift for um, one of the people we were working with down there. So we get down to Brazil and we're wiped out. We've just done a run from California to Mexico City where we did a television shoot and a concert. And then we uh, flew to Brazil and immediately jumped into that. We had a couple of minutes to rest. Um, not much. And um, we had originally been told that we were doing a uh, a large, uh, a somewhat large um, um, rock festival, outdoor rock festival for about 15,000 people. Well, that's pretty enticing, and the money was enticing, so off we go. We make it happen. The problem was logistically we had some challenges and because of the connecting flights uh, and um, the fact that we were coming back into the States to do not only a show with the Foo Fighters there was something more which I'll share with you in a second um, we were concerned that whatever equipment we took with us wasn't going to make it back in time the freight people that we usually use said we can't guarantee that we're going to get it back in time so basically, we sent what we usually use for um, what we call fly dates, which is sort of a very trimmed down, absolute minimum amount of unreplaceable things with us to Mexico City. And then we rent stuff to fill out what we need, like drums and stands and amplifiers and stuff like that, speakers. And um, so... Then Brazil was the next step to where we basically had this approach. Well, not only might we not be able to get it back in time, but we may never see it again. So what do you want to bring? You know, how little can you take? And, you know, believe me, I've, I've gotten into this habit of now showing up with you know, a drum key and 17 inches of gaffer tape and somehow pulling it off. So we got down there and quite honestly, between Rodrigo, who was our production coordinator and, and translator, who is a remarkable guy and does stuff, works with bands 
like I do down in Brazil, and um, and uh, he pulled some amazing rabbits out of his hat. In fact, um, despite the fact that we were told we were playing a 15,000-person festival in an outdoor venue, and it changed into the fact that we were playing at a quarry, and the next thing we knew, we were playing in a club. And in reality, we ended up being the seventh or eighth band on in a club show in a club that held about 1,400 people, which had 3,000 people in it, which... If you haven't gone to South America and been part of that kind of magic, um, it's exciting, it's dangerous, it's on the verge of being canceled every five to ten seconds. Um, and even with all those bands on, we ended up going on about um, like 1.30 in the morning, maybe a little later. So we're all wiped out, and we went in at like 9 o'clock in the morning, for a two o'clock in the morning show, so it was kind of a long day. Um, some of the gear we got was um, what you would expect. Rental gear, even in the United States, is terribly suspect. Let alone when you come um, to a place which, for many years, had a tremendous embargo against it for musical equipment. In fact, during the mid '80s, when I used to go down there. There were a lot of the musicians I worked with were really wanted to start smuggling modern gear down there so that the wonderful musicians and composers down there had the right tools to do their job. Um, the embargo has been lifted, but there's also, I believe now, even to this day, I think it's a 60% import tax on musical equipment. And you can only imagine what the freight is for stuff coming from the United States or from uh, the UK or Japan. And so, obviously, some of the things we asked for we didn't get. And um, Rodrigo brought some of his own personal symbols so I could use them. And we asked for a few keyboards because our band is using keyboards on this tour. And um, one of the keyboards we were asking for... Um, really wasn't he wasn't able to find it but he found an ancient brother um i'll talk to gearheads right now uh we use a uh a mini moog voyager our moog voyager keyboard which is a modern version of the mini moog which was the original really cool sounding synthesizer of um the 70s um created by dr robert well it's dr robert moog the um inventor and um, really smart guy who just passed away recently from brain cancer um, which I was following in the blog because uh, some of the stuff he did really sort of changed the sound and texture and approach of music for uh, for for us for everyone I mean everybody's heard it anyhow um, he found the one, the piano keyboard and the, and the synthesizer keyboard we were looking for from, um, a musician himself who lived in a different town in, in Porto Alegre. And the guy and his wife and his daughter drove 700 kilometers with the keyboards so that we could use them and then stayed the entire day to witness the show and then drive the 700 kilometers back. Now, I'm sure he was compensated, but that's above and beyond the call of duty. 
He was a really sweet guy, and I, I don't honestly remember his name, but I, I thank him here and now for uh, making the effort. Um, this Mini Moog was not in the best of shape, but the thing is, is that you find these treasures, these things that still work, and, you know, if I could bring it back to the States, I could get a lot for it, because collectors would just go nuts, um for a vintage instrument like this so like i say every now and then you think you're stepping into a pile of poop and you end up uh finding a gem um the fans were amazing the show was neat um it was uh the barricade was on the they used like bicycle rack for barricade uh with like twice as many people in the building as they should have had. And most of the security guards spent the show with their back against the stage and their feet up holding the barricade from collapsing against the stage. So uh, there was a certain amount of risk for them and for the kids out there, and I guess to a certain extent the the musicians. Um, Finished up about 3, had a 5 o'clock departure to the airport, Um, flew from... Curitiba to Sao Paulo, then to Mexico City to catch the other tail of our flight, the round trip of our flight, and um, it was really close, and here we are running through the Mexico City airport on a Sunday evening um, with no actual tickets, an e-ticket trip, and getting to the, basically talking our way onto the plane, and knowing full well that our our luggage probably wouldn't make it so when we get to los angeles we go to baggage claim and not a single piece of equipment not a single piece of luggage makes it through not one we made it back in time but nothing else did nothing not even a toiletry bag not even a bass drum pedal nothing so our worst fears are realized But what I haven't mentioned was the fact that we, in the week leading up to that, the management booked us on the Jimmy Kimmel show for Monday morning to load in for a Monday evening performance. Um, Well, our equipment from the tour was available. Our equipment from Mexico City had arrived back. But there was still a few odds and ends that we had that were in our luggage. That uh, And the funny thing is, it wasn't a misconnection. This is really amazing. In looking at the tags and talking to the two different airlines, the people that checked us in in Curitiba actually, for some reason, put down the two Varig flights in Brazil and from Brazil to Mexico as being on the 25th and then the flight from Mexico City to the United States on the 26th so the baggage handlers in mexico city didn't even try because it was the wrong date on the tags and maybe perhaps in their minds they thought what kind of idiots would attempt to make a connection this tight three flights three countries with all this crap well that's us so we go to the Kimmel show and we find out that the band is going to try something different. Yes, they're going to do a song and they're going to fly in the air on wires. Oh, really? 
So, you can imagine what that day was like. Um, I'll be semi-professional and not delve too far into that. Um, meaning wireless, meaning record company people, meaning management people, meaning ideas that people think up on the fly. Um, oh, and plus it was television and the Jimmy Kimmel guys found out that they got picked up for another season, so they were um, rather excited. Some of them were starting to drink early, um, but they were very professional, and it went really nice. And as, and as disastrous as it looked like it was going to be, um, they pulled it off. They really did pull it off, and um, it looked okay. Um, then... Of course, we turn around and go straight back into the tour the next day. So um, we were pretty exhausted, did a show in San Diego, and now we've been just flying across the United States. Um, we basically went from Southern California to Denver to Colorado, uh, from there to Phoenix to Colorado to Minneapolis, and now into the Midwest, and uh, here we are with a sort of a full day off in um, in um, Grand Rapids, Michigan. And we start back up tomorrow. We go all the way to the East Coast, finishing up in Worcester, Massachusetts, and then, shock of all shocks, the next Fooser show will be in Long Beach, California. So our drivers get about three and a half days to get from Massachusetts to Southern California, um, and we get to rest. No, no, actually, we don't get to rest. We're going to do um, a radio show, a television show, and an online performance, plus a concert by ourselves without the Foo Fighters. So, um, you know, um, we don't want us to, you know, you know, get too comfortable. And, you know, you know what I'm saying. Uh, I think I'm just trying not to say anything um, incriminating at this point. But, you know, I'm sure I'll find something to whine about. Um, so, Brazil. Brazil was uh, way too, too, way too fast. Way too fast. Way too fast. I like going there, and I wish we would have had more time. Um, I'm looking through my notes. Um, in speaking about Brazil, I have to mention something that occurred uh, just in the past 48 hours. My One of my wife's friends, um, who was her hairdresser and a very nice man, his name is Ed. Um, he lived in Dallas and... Uh, as you know, for a lot of people, if you can create a relationship and trust the person that cuts your hair, it's a very important relationship. But beyond that, Ed became a friend to Angela, and uh, and we were actually quite friendly. As it turns out, Ed was going to move from from Dallas and live in, uh, in, I think, in South Beach or Miami area. and be working on it for a few months to, uh, to move there. And... Uh, he packed up all of his stuff, uh, I think it was Monday night, and he got in his little convertible Mustang, and he started on his way to 
Florida, and uh, the car flipped, and he was killed. And, um, man, what a year for loss. Um, I send this out to Angela. I'm, I'm really sorry. It's, it's so sad to lose a friend. Um, there's been another loss. A friend of ours, a guy by the name of Dina DeRose, uh, was working with Widespread Panic at the Austin City Limits Festival and um, went missing and was found a few days later in a ditch by uh, the side of I-35 outside of Austin, um, apparently the victim of a hit-and-run. Um, another big loss. But... Um, like I said, this year's been kind of heavy duty for that kind of stuff. And um, this kind of stuff will will definitely put you in a dark place. And the road is kind of famous for taking people there. I mean, whether it's some scene from uh, the movie Pink Floyd's The Wall where the guy goes crazy in his dressing room but or hotel room or whatever and starts shaving his eyebrows off and, you know, breaking stuff and having mental breakdowns. But to a lesser extent, a lot of different things can occur out here. And you can go to dark places. You can go to places where you're... You're depressed, you're lonely, you're looking for solace, you're looking for comfort, and um, it's not always the most healthy mind spaces to be in. You don't really want to know how far and how dark people get. I've seen people crack up a little bit, and I've personally experienced it over the years, um, periods of darkness. And, um, I, uh, it's really good to get on the other side of it without having done any harm to yourself in any way. Um, let me play a little something I recorded the other day. Um, well, just give me a second. Let me, let me go into one other thing that occurred because this is, uh, part of it. You know, I'm talking about these other losses that we incurred in the past couple of days. Um, we were in Chicago two days ago, and I've been pretty good over the years. I don't misplace or lose things for the most part. Um, and for many years, I carried my wallet, my keys, and all that stuff in a um, in a fanny pack. Uh, which has always been good for tools and for little um, talismans and things that uh, I care about. Um, and I didn't have to put them in my pockets. I think it came from many years of wearing shorts or sweats that didn't have pockets. I always had access to have those things. Um, well, anyways, um, by the end of the day in Chicago, I realized that I'd lost track of it. I thought it was one place. I thought it might be in another. And it was in neither. Someone either swiped it or I royally blew it and lost my wallet, money, credit cards, keys, um, all that stuff. And um, that struck me as being a, another loss too, you know. I mean, it was just like on top of everything. I mean, 
why would losing your wallet be such an emotional moment? Why would that be such a shameful thing? Why would that cause you to treat other people's poorly, uh, treat other people poorly and act so strangely? Why would you take that out on somebody else? Why would you be so shamed to turn to your friends and ask them if you could borrow 40 bucks so you could buy something to eat on your day off? Why would you do that? Why would pride be so strong? Why would it be so powerful? Well, um, I don't know, but, um, being a fallible human, being a knucklehead, um, I learn more about myself each and every day. And it's not always great things. Sometimes just I find out how petty and, and, um, and infantile I can be. But, um, the other night I was sitting by myself, uh, away from everyone. And, uh, one of the things I like about podcasting is the fact that you can kind of, uh, use it as therapy just to get stuff out. If you don't have anyone to talk to, you know, guess what? You guys are my, um, <laughs> my group therapy for today. And, uh, I'm just going to play that. There's a couple of interesting things that were said, so I'm just going to play this for you. And, um, and there you go. Here it is. You know, right now is a quiet time. It's also a dangerous time. This is a time between when I'm done with work and when the bus rolls down the road. Um, we're in an interesting situation because our band plays second of three bands. So we actually load out while the last part of the show is going on. And, um, like I say, to me, this is a dangerous time in that we, uh, this is a time when a lot of people, you, you, you get into a lot of high energy. You get into, get your energy up in order to do your job. You get all wound up in order to go as fast as you can, as, as, uh, accurate as you can during the show and then in order to leave. Cause that sometimes is the most important time to, uh, have a good loadout. I know when I was still drinking and using, um, it's really easy because this is a time when you need to unwind. You actually need to get some sleep for another day. This is day two of three in a row. Um, and three in a row is, is nothing. In the old days we used to do, I remember doing 16 in a row. That kind of wear you out. But, um, as you get older, you have to, you have to use your energy wisely. Now, needless to say, there are still people who are in their twenties, thirties, forties, fifties, and even sixties who do this, who, uh, have to find different ways to unwind. You know, a lot of people, uh, a lot of people have a, a drink or two, or three, or four, or whatever, a little something, something, as they say. Um, you know, there's a lot of ways. I know in my case, being that I don't drink anymore, um, the one thing I have to watch out for in this, uh, 
tricky time is eating too much. Because, my God, it's it's midnight. Uh, you've just done a lot of physical exertion. You're hungry. In fact, you're sort of starving. But more than that, there is an effect in that um, I think people with, with food addictions or any kind of addictions will understand this, that um, you can use food to change your mood. You can use food to unwind. You can use food to knock you out and put you to sleep. Now, it's really not the best kind of sleep when you're sleeping on a full stomach like that. In fact, it can lead to uh, less restful sleep. But, um, you know, this is something I have to be aware of. And, uh, you know, this tour has been filled with challenges of this sort as opposed this isn't a hard job i'm not a stressful job for me for the most part um there have been some changes recently where i'm going to get a new set of challenges uh due to the fact that there have been some changes in the way that the band wishes to approach the show but um you know emotionally and personally there have been some challenges and it's really easy you turn around and the next thing you know, um, you've stuffed your face and you're not even aware of it. Um, and that's tough because I know that I had to uh, create a, a tremendous amount of discipline in order to lose the weight that I did. And it's really, really, really easy to lose all of that um, progress and go right back to where you were. And, um, so to me, this time is dangerous. Um, for those of you who aren't in the business, uh, you're likely to get some sort of hot food delivered. Now, what kind of thing would you say would be delivered probably at this time of the night? What would still be open that would still be hot and fresh at 11 or 12 o'clock at night? Guess what? It's usually pizza. We're in Chicago today, and the pizza they get here is, uh, it's crippling. It's that big deep dish pizza from, uh, what's the same places? Giordano's? Yeah. That stuff. I don't even want to know what a slice of that does to you, because it's, it's just so incredibly thick. It's hard. I've gone through periods where I've taught myself or disciplined myself not to eat at all after shows. You know, to have a, have a, you know, a good dinner and have that tie you through and go to bed a little hungry. Um, but boy, when you have all this food, whether it's pizza or Chinese or God forbid Indian or something like that, all lying around. Um, it is very, very, uh, tempting, and uh, not only, like I say, not only for the the, the stomach filling aspect of it, but for that that effect of just knocking you out because you're just wound up so tight. I mean, you can be tired, but still be completely cranked up from coming out of loadout because um, it's it's like waiting for hours on end. And then all of a sudden having to be sort of springing into, into action 
and having to be as fast as and efficient as you can possibly be. Um, anyhow, um, that's what I wanted to talk about here. And, um, you know, we move on to another city. So right now it's about quarter of one. And, uh, we move on to the next city and we load in at nine o'clock in the morning. And we, uh, start it all over again. And then, you know, it's another one of those days where you go, um, we go in at nine. Well, I don't go in at nine. The uh, main part of the production, the riggers and the lighting guys and the sound guys, they go in at nine, and we are not actually on call until twelve. But then, you know, if they get caught up, we have to make up for lost time because the band schedule has to stay the same. And uh, then there's doors. So, like, let's say the Foo Fighters sound check from three. 3.30 to 4, we sound check from 4.30 to 5, and um, the Kaiser Chiefs sound check from 5.30 to 6, giving each other half an hour to change over. In a perfect world, that would be the case. Um, today, we had the challenge of adding some more set pieces, risers and ramps and stuff. You know, good old rock and roll stuff, so people can go up and throw some serious shapes. So, like I was saying, um, we added some elements to the show. Um, it involved us having to change where we set the stuff up, how we set the stuff up, and uh, when we set the stuff up. So, if there's one thing that road people really like it's having a, a routine and sticking to it when you throw a curve to that routine it's it's just a drag you like being able to count on the fact that you can understand how how the schedule of the day is going to work out so now our schedule is different and um and that's that's all right but i mean it's just one of those things where you know, excuse me, change is not good. <laughs> we all know change is good. But in this case, change is not good. You know, you don't want it to change. You don't want to change your little stupid routine. The, the funny thing about doing this for a living is the fact that um, we have to adapt and conquer every day. Every building is different. Every town is different. Every crew is different. Every situation, for the most part, even if you're going into um, faceless arena after arena after arena, they are all different. The truck docks are in different places. The ceiling height is different. The beams are in a different place. The hallways are in a different place. The dressing rooms are in dis different places. So you have to adapt every day. And yet, when you have something like this, where you feel like you had the consistency of um, the setup being the same or the set list being the same. No, no, it just goes away and, and that's that. Um, so here we are, you know, we end up creating more stuff and making the changeover between the two bands a little bit more challenging. And, um, you know, you just look at, you just look at it and you go, and and I honestly think with this band, 
as much showbiz is is one thing showbiz can be very much all about appearances and about the shock and awe of certain aspects of lighting and sound and and that but the the one thing i have confidence about with the band that i'm working for is They've got the songs and they have the ability. If you put down a rug and threw the drum carpet on it and just had them play the songs, just banging them out, just one right after another, these guys could whoop most bands' behinds. Easy. But, um, you know, in showbiz, that doesn't play, especially with the younger generation. They want flashy bits and spinny bits and smoky bits and and uh, and all the bells and whistles. Another thing that the band's been doing recently is they've been pulling a kid out of the audience and having him come up and help them play a song. And uh, all I can say is uh, pick wisely, young Skywalker, because... Uh, the past couple of times, it's been uh, a rather intriguing experiment in terror. Um, there, it's gotten when it was a sort of a surprise, and you could actually do your best to pick somebody out who uh, who might be able to play four chords or three chords or whatever the hell that song is. Um, it worked out okay. And then you actually have some kids who actually know the song and actually do a great job. And now we've got kids who know about the going on stage part and are cutting off the kids who can play guitar and, and lying about it and getting up there and having their 10 seconds of glory. And, um, and God, it's just, uh, it's just a train wreck, but well, there you go. Um, so I, I'm just going to try to see, at least try to help with the screening process with some of these kids. And, uh, and we actually did have someone who, uh, did some epic rock moves, rock hair, jumping, kicking around. And then, uh, there's a lot of shout outs, uh, references to obscure songs. You know, once the word gets out about these things, uh, it's all over because uh, the next thing you know, someone's going to be making a political speech before they pick up the acoustic guitar. Actually, on Green Day, um, they've been bringing kids up for like 10 years now. Uh, recently, they brought a kid up and he smashed the main bass for the bass player in the band, um, you know, a one-of-a-kind uh, instrument. So you take your chances bringing uh, people across the in, the invisible line there. A um, couple of things I just want to uh, point out to you guys while I'm sitting here. A couple of uh, recommendations, if you care at all. Um, I don't know if I've mentioned this before, but it's still sitting with me, so i got to recommend it to you. Um, there is a a wonderful artist by the name of uh, Andy Goldsworthy. And he's from Scotland, and he works with uh, natural elements, and he makes uh, really beautiful art. Um, though for people who think of art as something that hangs on the wall or 
piece of pottery or or a piece of fabric. This guy's making it with leaves or with rocks or with ice or with snow or with ground up stone. And um and a lot of his projects um they're temporary. That would be my noisy chair here in my hotel room here in Grand Rapids and I could just you know, give you a little bit of that noisy chair action. Um recently he came out with a DVD called uh, Rivers and Tides, no pun intended towards my employer, but um, it's available on DVD at a reasonable price um, all over. But um, as a meditation, as a um, documentary is rather remarkable, and I highly recommend it to you. Uh, other things in the news as uh, as we start to wrap things up here. Um Rumors, Mike Myers as Keith Moon in the Who biopic, uh, maybe, uh, I don't know, man. I don't know if Mike Myers is dangerous enough. He's going to have to step it up a little bit. Uh, actually, if you've read the blog, you're probably uh, getting a lot of repetition. If you don't, you're finding out what's on my blog one way or the other. Um the other thing I wanted to mention, something I saw the other day, uh, Jeff Jarvis actually was pointing to it on his uh, weblog. Um, he pointed to a thing called Operation Eden, which is a, a young man who's a, a photographer, a fashion photographer, professional photographer. Um, his mother and his family were in the path of Katrina, and he returned to Louisiana into the midst of the destruction and started taking a photo essay and it is really amazing. It's amazing because it gives a human face to what's going on. It gives uh, sort of a play by play. There are things in there. Um, you know, it's not like, I mean, if you take a look at what happened to one home and imagine it happening to so many, and he started a, um, a series of of portraits of survivors, and it really does add a human face to what's going on. And I think it helps um, stop. It's helps stop taking this event and making it be an abstract. It continues to remind you that humans and animals and trees and the entire environment down there was affected by it. And as a piece of photojournalism and as a, as a blog and, um, and as art, it all works. So it's worth checking. There'll be a, um, a link in the show notes to Operation Eden and Clayton's work. Um, let's see, where do we go from here? Uh, I mean, you know, this is kind of a rambling, goofy, uh, kind of, um, episode, but, um, I just want to thank you guys, the, the subscribers and the occasional listeners for being there for me, 
for giving me a reason to sit here and spew forth all of this and to get it out of my head and get it out of my bile duct and get it out of my way so I can get on with my next day. And I really feel that I need to do this more often. I mean, it's sort of a, a tenth step of sorts, but I mean, I think it's really important for me to offer this out maybe not necessarily to you but just out of me where it causes me trouble i um i've needed to expel certain feelings and certain fears and doing a podcast allows me to do that and even if there is a squeaky chair maybe i'll just stop moving in the chair so it doesn't sound like uh someone's playing a um, oh man, now I forgot the word for it. Um, it'll come back to me. But, um, thank you. Um, of course, uh, the website is, uh, com, And any comments, thoughts, pictures, um, shoehorns can be sent to, uh, Aronsky, which is A-R-O-N-S-K-I at gmail.com. Um, any thoughts, any, any comments are totally appreciated. Thank you to all of you who reached out and, um, and to Travis and to some of the other people who I was hoping to see on this run and things just got so incredibly crazy with our schedule that I could barely focus on my job, let alone, uh, anything else. Um, thanks. Thanks for reaching out and letting me know when you're out there and for, uh, supporting Bitterman Circle. And, um, I'm going to wrap up with another song. Uh, this music that, uh, my friend Rodrigo turned me on to the, the, the translation of the album title from 1993 is, uh, Fisheye, uh, Marcos, uh, Susano. And, uh, Leonie, I think that's the proper pronunciation. Probably gonna get kicked square in the head by a Portuguese speaking person. Anyways, uh, thanks for, uh, listening to Parking in Bitterman Circle. And, um, we'll hopefully see you a lot sooner than last time. Tá levando a toda lira pra Nova Jerusalém Sou
Eu sou o Leão do Norte 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 Eu sou o Leão